You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. So we're going to do this podcast on teachable moments. I know that just about everybody out there has had opportunities where you've either taught somebody a lesson or something that's occurred or Talking like you said you shot somebody <laughs> or are you not supposed to ask people that that goes yeah. in my first teachable moment or, yeah. <laughs> or, or or you've had somebody teach you a lesson and i've learned lessons we always talk about transition and everything and for me it was about the transition and that i got out after my first four years in the military i was stationed over in germany I didn't see the assignments that I was looking for. They only offered me two locations. I just, I figured that I could make this transition back out to the private sector easily. And I thought that whatever I had learned within the military was going to transfer with me and be able to do great things. So when I came out of the army, unfortunately, it was during a very bad time in the economy and I fell flat on my butt. And I, I started realizing that I had no transferable skills. I may have had leadership skills and I could show that and demonstrate that but that wasn't enough by itself to get me hired and so I had to go out there and work odd and in jobs trying to make my way through it all realizing that I didn't do the steps that I needed to do to prepare myself for the transition I realized that I hadn't done anything in the military to better myself beyond just going through the day-to-day routine. So it wasn't like I went out and got an education. I picked up transferable skills. I did anything that could be used within the private sector. I just made assumptions that I was going to be a better person to those who were receiving me than I was four years prior. And that in itself was going to allow me to get a job. So a rude awakening pretty much happened. And I would say probably... Within seven to eight months, uh, I I think it was around that time frame, is when I had that epiphany that I needed to get my butt back in the military. And so I went down to the recruiting station and almost started begging those guys to get me back in. You know, what do do I got to do to get back on active duty? Because this thing out in the private sector just sucks. So it was a wake-up, aha moment for me. It was certainly a teachable moment, and it was something that stuck with me throughout the rest of my military career and even to today that I use to teach those who are coming off that you may think that you're prepared, but you're not going to be prepared unless you've done the proper due diligence prior to get you set up for success. Just being in the military alone is not going to be enough. Are you finished? Uh, I'm going to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. So I I think uh, that goes into my first first teachable moment, because it sounds like you said you fell on your butt, you didn't do very well, you didn't have a very good plan. Terrible. and something, something that I'm bringing into the classroom next semester that I didn't do this semester, and something that, that's really hard for us uh, in the military, particularly in soft, to, to really get a hold of, is the concept of embracing failure. So something that I'm really trying to teach my students to do is, is to, to experience personal growth by embracing failure. And, uh, and I, I used to walk around with a chip on my shoulder talking about, man, there's only one thing I've ever failed in my life. I went back a year later and I passed that course, but I have experienced more personal growth in the last year and a half by doing things wrong and by failing outright at some of the attempts at at my own education, at my own career aspirations, 
improperly setting goals, and only through reflection on that failure are you really able to overcome and experience personal growth, and through personal growth is where you really find a path to success. So if you want to succeed and you're, you're not afraid to try things, which obviously, Robert, you weren't, and most of us are not, and I, I hope that my students aren't, but I'm going to put them into situations next semester that they will not succeed. And then through, through that failure initially, we'll find a way to, to experience some growth, to learn from that failure, and to move along a path towards success. And, and I think that that's a lesson. It's a teachable moment, certainly, for anyone who is, is initially transitioned or, or separated from the military, that the first thing you try is not probably going to work. So what do you do? You, you sit on your laurels and do nothing. You get, you get depressed. I mean, you turn to the bottle. I mean, a lot of people do that. Right. And it's because they don't understand that concept. They don't understand that, you know, failing isn't the end, man. Failing is only the first shot at doing something. Maybe not the right way. You may not have taken the right, the right path, but it's not the end. And, and if, you can, if you can reflect on that, if you can learn from it, which is the key, uh, then you're re- really on the road to success. And you may fail multiple times. Heck, I'm living proof of that now. Good God. Um, I mean, I haven't stopped failing. I mean, that's where you start learning. That's a great point. Right. No, you, you're right. If you, if you stop failing, you stop learning. You stop, you stop along the path to success. I'll, I'll yeah. throw out a, a, a key that a, an old team sergeant of mine from when I was a young SF guy told me, I mean, if you're not, if you're not falling down skiing, you're not skiing hard enough. And I used to fall a lot. I, I learned to ski in the Army. I learned to ski in 10 Special Forces Group. Uh, and this this guy taught me a lot. And, and that's one of the things, man. If you're not pushing hard enough to where you fall down, you're not going to ever grow. And that kind of goes along with my teachable moment of embracing failure. You know, just listening to both of you guys talk about that, I think, Mike, when you said, you know, having that chip on your shoulder and, and kind of just thinking, especially with an, a very alpha personality, it's you don't want to that the fact that there may be failure or just even embrace the fact that it's, it's okay to fail or when to stop so you don't continue to fail. And I think, you know, one of my most teachable moments, especially even after getting out of the military, and I'm not trying to play the woman card or anything, but it was a struggle for me, especially being a very male dominant career and always kind of, I guess you could say pushed aside. And, and when I did the, the CST program, and I think this is a could be a teachable moment, especially for the instructors and cadre there, is that they ingrained in, I mean, you had 60 women in there, them telling us, like, you guys are going to be an asset. We need you. But in the same breath, they're saying, these guys that you're going to be working with, they want you to fail. They want to show that they're more dominant. They don't need women out there, that the mission is will be successful without you. They've been doing it for years. You know, and it, they constantly were pounding that in our heads. So when I, when I actually went, finally got overseas, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder. I was very hot-headed. I was sarcastic. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to learn anything or, you know, gain any information from the guys because I had a, like you had said, this chip on my shoulder. And I remember I was constantly battling. It was like battle of the sexes constantly. And I just, I began to lose focus on what was important. And I was too busy focusing on what wasn't important and things that weren't in my control, like the fact that I was a woman or the fact that these guys already had their opinion and they weren't going to change it. And I needed to stop worrying about it. And I think when I was overseas, I actually worked with all three battalions and I worked with the Delta squadron and the amount of new people coming in. And I mean, you're in there for three months and all of a sudden you have a new group of guys you have to impress. And like, you know, everybody has new personalities and, and different ways on how they do things. And 
you know, when 275 was about to leave and then 375 was in, I had just gotten off a mission and it was, I, we had butted heads. Mostly it was because they didn't want a woman out there. They didn't think that there needed to be a woman out there. And my partner, Caroline, who I love dearly, and she is honestly the saint. And she helped me think more clearly. You know, she saw the frustration. She saw that I was, I was just constantly pissed off and fighting this upward battle on something that I, I knew I couldn't win. And it could, shouldn't have been a battle. And I remember she came, I came in after a mission and I was dirty and felt tired. And, you know, I had gotten into a, a few arguments with some of the guys and it turned into just this huge, stupid argument. I came in and, you know, I was just like on the brink of tears, just like, I can't. This is so frustrating. I can't do my job right. She's like, Kat, I think the best thing that you need to do is just take a knee. And drink some water, you know, and they always say that, like, take a knee. And I, you know, and at first it was like, I was kind of offended because I'm like, I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to be defeated. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, and not being defeated. I'm, I'm just going to focus on what's important and what's in my control. And I think even like in the service or out of the service, if you can just control what, how you feel about things and how your work ethic and and what you're going to do, you know, for the mission and for your job or whatever, I really think, you know, who cares what people think about you? You know what I mean? And who cares what, if they don't like you, that's their problem. It's not yours and it's none of your business to even know that, you know what I mean? So I think I think a lot of times, don't think that taking a step back and going another direction is going to be failure. You know, it's it, you may find other successes and, and just because you can't control everything that's surrounding you, it doesn't mean that you are essential to the mission or to the team. Thanks for mentioning Caroline, and I want to I want to talk about her a little bit because I got a chance to meet Caroline Cleveland this summer in Chicago as a fellow, fellow Tillman scholar, a friend of mine. But the things that you're talking about about never you know giving up and, and kind of you know m- maybe step back and evaluate the situation, man, they're deep, and a lot of people really don't do that. But I I want to mention what what Caroline's doing in, in case I don't know if you know what what the rest of the uh, rest of the community knows is is her work. Now, as a Tillman scholar and going to school to become a, a physical therapist, she wants to provide rehabilitative care to victims of war and rape and work to uh, to abolish the sex slave trade. And I think that, man, what a lofty goal. And to think about that in the context of what we're talking about and how difficult some of these issues are that all of us face when we get out of the military. And that's a huge one that Caroline's, you know, set herself up to, to work against. But, you know, things like embracing failure, taking a knee, you know, not being afraid to fall on your butt. Th- those are those are large, larger things that we need to be concerned about than our own personal losses, right? Absolutely, you're correct. I found out through you that, you know, the whole Tillman scholarship, and it's really unfortunate because that we become so separated, especially out of the military, but it just, one thing that, <laughs> this whole show is going to be about Caroline. One thing that Caroline has showed me, especially when we were overseas, is that she was so methodical in how she planned every single thing, like to the T. And that was something I really learned from her. <laughs> Just a, a short story. So when we were getting ready to go home, she had a calendar because she was going to go back to Germany. That's where she was stationed. And she had a calendar. And every single day, her family was going to fly in. And she had every single day planned to the T. Like the morning, we're going to have breakfast and whatever. And then we're going to go on a bike ride. And she did. I mean, this was her, consumed her life when we were overseas, our downtime. She just methodically planned everything. And, and I, I remember going in there and I was like, man, you have everything like money and uh, where you're going to stay and everything. It's just like, I'm like, how do you, 
how do you live like that? You know, and she's like, you know, it just, it makes me feel better because I have this plan. I said, I, I don't like, do you have any room for error? And she goes, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just want to make sure that everything is where it needs to be. So when we got back and she had her trip and everything went according to plan, I remember she messaged me and she's like, you know, I remember you saying like, just how can you like live like that? And she's like, and, and something that I learned is like, not everything goes according to plan and that's okay. But this plan that I had, it allowed room for error and allowed me to grow, you know, just to be like, it's okay that if things get messed up because you you still learn and you still have a good time from things and not to be so uh, nitpicky. But like you said, with her goal, there's no doubt in my mind that she's not going to change the world. That's just how like her doing that is just incredible. And, and she has a plan and she, she has backup plans and backup plans to those plans, you know, and I'm sure with, when you talk to her, she's just like, it's like, how do you even like just being and thinking that someone is going to do that? It's just uh, like, I, I'm very proud of her, envious of her. She's one of my heroes and I love her dearly, but everybody with that's doing that, that are Tillman scholars, it's just they, that they allow you to have that extra oomph, you know what I mean? And support. So I just, I don't know. I'm just very impressed. You, she, she talks the same way about you, Kat. I mean, she felt that you got her through that combat mission. You told me, I think before I went up there to Chicago that I don't know if you said that she was your rock, she was your better half. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. related to her without words for a period of time. And then just, talked about you in the same way that you just talked about her. So there's this mutual respect, you know, among the two of you and among all of us, really, but really that I saw among the two of you, that's incredible. And we're day and night. You go into her her little room and she, everything is perfect. And then you come into my room and it's like, shit is just everywhere. She's like, how do you, how do you know how to get ready for mission? I'm like, this is my, this is my sane chaos here, you know, and, it, it, and it's nice to have, you know, I know we're getting off topic here with personalities, but it's nice to have that, you know, black and white yin and yang because we did. We She had the more focused and organized side, which kept me more focused and organized, whereas I'm kind of a scatterbrain and kind of intense. It kind of, you know, lit the fire under her butt, too. So it just it definitely helped out with getting us through the deployment, especially since we were all that each other had. Well, you know, you think about that's really a teachable moment, too, is that not everybody goes about their life the same way. And if you're trying to force what you do and how you do things on others and you don't understand what makes them tick and drives them to get them to their success and accomplishment, then you may be forcing something that'll never work and it likely won't. But going back too to your conversation that you had earlier, I wrote down something that was taught to me very early on in life, and that is you need to focus and give 100% on the things that you can control and don't worry about those things you can't. And I know we've probably heard that as lessons either from our parents or mentors along the way, but it's so true. And I'm one of these individuals that focus very heavily on things. And sometimes I get in my own head because I start focusing on things so much that it'll wake me up at 1.32 o'clock in the morning to think about it. And, you know, when you think about, again, what it is that you can control, it's much less than what you really think it is when you start breaking it down. And I think that's one of the things that she was trying to teach you along the way. I've got another one that came out of something Kat said, you know, and it, it's, it comes from planning. And, you know, there's a quote from General Eisenhower that plans are nothing. Planning is everything. And, and, and I mean, if you think about that, you, you can have the best laid plan and it's not going to go right. I mean, you, everybody knows that, you know, plans don't survive contact with the first enemy. That's what they teach us all in some of our small unit tactics schools or ranger school. But in life, it's no different. 
I mean, as soon as life smacks your plan in the face, something changes and you've got to be flexible. But the, the thought of going through the process of thinking of all the contingencies and things that could go wrong, that's planning. That's not a plan. That's planning. And you come up with what you want to do and then you figure out everything around it that could possibly go right and everything around it that could possibly go wrong. And those are the, those are the realities of, of the plan. And that's why planning is so important. Transition from the military, going into an education, taking a trip across the country, planning a combat mission, all of that, the principles of what you need to do and what you need to be prepared for are the same. And that's another teachable moment that, that Caroline gave to Kat. Well, and you guys are probably very complimentary of one another, and that's the reason why even today you are, is because where she was very rigid in doing the planning process to think of all contingency aspects of things that could potentially go wrong so that she could maintain control, you like to fly by the seat of your pants. So because you flew by the seat of your pants, then that made you compliment her way of doing things because when she ran into a situation where she felt uncomfortable, you were you felt very calm and in control in an uncontrollable environment, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And I Mike, when you're talking about like your plan and everything, I think something that's really important too is like if you're planning to do something, give yourself the opportunity and give yourself the credit and a chance to actually see it through. I think that's where like a lot of people get kind of lost is that even though you have this great plan and you have this great idea, don't let the hiccups of things going wrong deter you from actually finishing what you started. Because I, I know a lot of veterans, they get kind of discouraged or when even when they're out of the military, it's like, oh, you know, like you were you're given all these opportunities in the military that are laid out for you and like promotion and everything. And then when you go to the civilian side, it's like, ah, you know, and, and you don't really know what to do. So it, you can become discouraged easily. The education isn't right there in front of you. And I think it's just, you know, cut yourself some slack, take a breath and like go ahead and, and finish what you started. Look for that job, look for that, that educational opportunity and see it through and see, you know, learn from it. And if you enjoy it, that's fine. You, you know, you're that much farther ahead. If not, then, Take a different avenue. Yeah, and it's just like Mike said, I think, earlier. The fear of failure. It kind of goes back to that. Understand, you're going to fail. And if you do, think of it as being an opportunity for a, a learning moment that you can then ensure you don't repeat that. That's the main thing. Don't repeat that same action in the future. Because if you do, then that means you, you never learned the lesson early on. And I, I think it's important, Robert, not to dwell on it either. You know, And yeah. that, that, that reminds me of something that an old sniper instructor told me years ago in the, I'm dating myself like I always do, but in the mid nineties is, you know, once, once you've taken a shot and you've missed it, that shot's gone, man. It's gone. You can't get it back. It's, it's off target. And all, if you dwell on that last shot, then the chances of you missing the next shot are great. But if you, if you clear your mind, that mistake is over, you know, you've learned, you've learned from it. You did something wrong. You've got to adjust, but, but this next shot that you're going to take the next round out of the gun has to be on target. So focus on the next thing you're going to do. Once you've made a mistake, learn from it, and then set your next goal, what you're going to do, and focus on that. Not the past, not what you can't change, not what you have no control over, but what you do have control over, which is your own actions in, in moving forward. And uh, again, that's something, you know, wow. don't, don't dwell on the last shot, something I've carried with me from about 1994 until, well, I just said it, so today. That's, that's like so relevant. I mean, that's an awesome lesson right there in itself. And to put it in that kind of perspective, when you think about shooting – you know, I, I put on Instagram today a post around watch your lane and watching your lane being, you know, it's a command that you always hear, a statement that you always hear on the range 
where you're supposed to focus on your targets because it's really easy to see pop-ups that go in somebody else's lane. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen as a range NCO where somebody thinks they qualify, but they shot down half of the targets on their left or right perimeter because they didn't understand where their lane was. So as an individual, you should always focus on your lane, your target, what it is that you want to do as a goal and go out and achieve it, but understand that there's going to be hiccups along the way. And I think your analogy or the way you, you just described it there as far as a sniper, it's a, it's a great way of describing what we're talking about. I, I got to jump on that because this whole watch your lane, where, where did you first learn that lesson? Did and, you learn it in the Army? Yeah, basic training. I learned it on the football field. Did right? you? Because when you're on the kickoff team or on the kickoff receiving team, that's all you have. Yeah. If you've got that one, that one portion of the gridiron that's your responsibility, and if you start trying to chase the ball to go somewhere that's outside of your lane, then you've created a gap. Stay in your gap, yeah. That changes changes the playing field. And I, I have to say that because I just this is this is a great opportunity for me to thank somebody publicly. My high school football coach retired for the second time last week on Friday, and, and he was the principal of an alternative education school in Decatur, Illinois. My dad sent me the article, and since then I have I've engaged with, with Coach Bame and his wife on some of the lessons that I took away uh, as, a, as a young teenager playing for who I think is a, is a great educator, a great leader, and a great mentor. Uh, and you just open the door for one of those things that I failed to mention to him of all the lessons that I've used through my life and that I use in my classroom with my students today. Uh, but man, that, that's a great one, man. You got to stay in your lane. And I remember I was an offensive lineman, so I was, I was a, I was a, a blocker on the front line on the, on the kickoff receiving team. Uh, I was on a kickoff team where we would go down and, 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 but anytime you left that gap yeah. on the football field, you create an opportunity for something to go wrong on your side. So looking at it from an organizational objective, man, not individual. Now we're, we were talking individual objectives, right? Individual right. success and failures. But from an organize, organizational objective, be it a football field, be it a military organization, be it a, a, a corporation, anytime you get outside of your lane, you create the opportunity for something to go wrong or for you to drop the ball and, and more than just you pay the price in that when you said that, it totally makes sense. I didn't play special teams, but when you talk about being gap sound, that's basically what it is. Every position has a gap that they're supposed to manage, whether you're a linebacker, a line, a lineman, or you know whatever. I mean, your your idea is to to cover your gap, cover your space, cover your zone, whatever it is, and make sure that the other guy doesn't get into your territory and and do something that's against what you're supposed to be doing. In the case of defense. When you think about it in that aspect, it totally makes sense again. I know a lot of our listeners probably played football, but first time I heard watch your lane was in basic training. And yeah. and it was more in weapons qualification. Sure. But it totally makes sense when you say that in terms of running special teams because you have lanes that you're supposed to run and gaps and areas that you're covering. And what? Well, even just a caveat on that, staying in your lane, when you do go away from your lane, you tend to run into your own team. You tend to run into your own coworkers, your own your own guys. I mean, that's how fratricide happens. So it's you know it's one of the things I think is really important is that you can't get caught up with wanting to clear everywhere and do every position. And and it's okay that you have that one that one set aside part is just for you. You know what I mean? So it's like even though you may feel like you may do a better job than somebody else that has a different position, it's take a breath and just continue on with where, where you're at. Some great 
teachable moments, hopefully, that people will be able to take away and, and understand that, if anything, focus on the things that you can control. Fear of failure is what's going to stop you, so don't fear failure. Understand that things are going to go wrong. Use it as a teachable moment. Not everything is going to go according to plan, and that's okay. Realize it's okay. Embrace that it's okay. Stay within your lane. Make sure you're covering your gaps. And again, just realize that everything's going to be a teachable moment as you move forward. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.